from realghoststoriesonline.com. This is Real Ghost Stories Online, another episode being brought to you by Tony and Jenny Bruski. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us and pressing that subscribe button. We thank you in advance for doing that. You don't have to search us every time you want to find a show. Just press subscribe. They're all delivered directly to you right there on iTunes, Stitcher, or YouTube, whatever platform you prefer. We do appreciate you pressing that subscribe button and being a part of the show that way. Of course, share the show with a friend that helps us grow, helps us get more great real ghost stories. That means pinning us on Pinterest, sharing the episodes as they come out through Facebook, or retweeting it as uh, that comes out, or however you choose to tell someone about it, uh, maybe putting a banner uh, outside of your window and uh, putting uh, a strobe light on it, and then uh, putting really creepy, freaky dog howling sounds, a big speaker on your roof. That might get some attention, too. That sounds good. That'd be the ultimate way to share the show. But it's completely up to you. If you just want to pin it, we do appreciate that uh, as well. And of course, if uh, you want to get that bonus episode, leave us a review on iTunes and uh, some stars there. And then email me, Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. And I will email you back with that link to the bonus episode of the show, produced exclusively as a thank you. It's all new material just for you if you leave that review on iTunes. So there you go. There you have it. That's our spiel. Thank you for tuning in uh, on today's episode. Got some good stuff for you today. A couple follow-ups, including... Uh, some information that we talked about, you know, how we were talking about vampires the other day a little bit and how we're saying it's really not a ghost type thing because I think it's just kind of one of those BS, you know, yeah. things where it's a vampire, you know, it's probably a mental disorder of some sort if somebody thinks they're a vampire. Well, it's actually somewhat of a clinical issue, okay? And it actually stems back to uh, something that, that may actually have been the inspiration for the concept of the vampire. Okay. Okay. We'll talk about that. A listener filled me in on it. I did a little bit of research. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Uh, got a bunch of great calls to get to as well here at Real Ghost Stories Online. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in if you have a real ghost story. 855-853-4802. You can dial in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I've extended the time under now. you got about 12 minutes to leave your ghost story. Good. I thought seven minutes was going to be enough. And I consistently kept getting uh, calls that were calling back even at that. So 12 minutes. Okay. Try and keep the story to about that length. If it goes on, if it's longer, uh, call back again. But uh, let's try and keep them around that length. If it's extended, it may just be worth actually having you on as an interview for the episode uh, if it's that good of a story. Sure. So, uh, that's, uh, we'd, love, we'd love to hear your, uh, your story there. Of course, you can write it as well at uh, realghoststoriesonline.com. Got a uh, follow-up letter. Hey, Tony, you read my story about the shadowy figure that walked outside my window on a two-story apartment complex my mother currently uh, lives in. Well, upon further investigation, the building was built in 1920, and in 1933, uh, Long Beach suffered a huge magnitude earthquake that killed, that killed 120 people. This mostly affected areas uh, of my middle school and the apartment building my mom lives in. Uh, in my story, I explained the encounter of the shadow of a little girl. Well, a visit to my local library explained to me that a little girl was discovered in the debris of the earthquake aftermath. She was the only casualty in that part of the Long Beach home. I hope this clears up things a bit. Love the show. I'm glad you researched that to find yeah. out. I don't know if that brings any peace to you to know who it is, but I always like to 
I put a face with a ghost, I guess. <laughs> it's so nice to put a face with a ghost. Yeah. You're not a demon. You're just a dead little girl. That's yeah, all. I know. know, right? Yeah. But, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it kind of does. It, it At least you know kind of what you're dealing with then. Um, you know, I would, you know, you can never be completely sure as to what the hell you're dealing with when it comes to ghosts. But I think you increased your, your odds, uh, if you will, at least, you know, some peace of mind going, okay, this may just literally be the spirit of a human and not some sort of weird demonic thing. Although you never know. Well, so. I think it would make me feel better assuming that it's just the spirit of the little girl that died. Yeah, and not something else that's hanging out there. Scott writes in, I know of two antique stores that made TV. Uh, the one was in the Poconos, uh, and it was an uh, an animal lab at one time, and there were they were haunted by monkeys and other animals, and there was another one uh, with a Divic box. I don't know what that is. Uh, the owner uh, bought it and gave it to his mom. That's D-I-V-O-K. Gave it to his mom for a present when she opened the box. She had a severe heart attack from that, uh, and the place was haunted uh, from then on. She put it on eBay. College students bought it. They had bad experiences, and a scientist bought it on eBay, and he had a problem as well. It's a documented story. That's creepy. I'm sure that, that antique shops are haunted. People are attached to certain things. It could be a rocking chair, piano, a painting, uh, etc., Creepy. Do you have anything on Divic Box? How did you spell it? D-I-V-O-K. Okay, the, I, I searched that, and what it came up with was, was a Dybbuk Box, D-Y-B-B-U-K box. Okay. Um, which is a wine cabinet which is said to be haunted by a Dybbuk. I, a Dybbuk is a restless, usually malicious spirit. That so there you around, go. That hangs around liquor? It's ghost in a box. It is ghost in a box. And yeah. you can get them on eBay. Wow. Someone stole my idea. <laughs> it's probably been around quite some time. So is this like a marketable product that somebody marketed as a haunted product? I don't know. Like it says, the haunted dolls? It says the box achieved recognition when it was auctioned on eBay with an accompanying horror story. And is, so is the like a- original inspiration for the 2012 film The Possession. So is this, it's like a one, it's not like a mass-produced item. This is a one thing, and that's just what it's called. I think so. Interesting. I'll have to look more into that. The Possession, I haven't heard of that one. Oh, so many movies and so little time. Um, well, there you go. We were talking, because we were talking about uh, antique stores the other day and saying, you know, they got to be fairly haunted. What I find interesting about antique stores is that when I walk through them, I'm always trying to figure out what it was at one time because most antique stores were not built to be antique stores. They're almost always inhabiting some other building that was something else at some time. And you can usually somewhat tell what it was, you know, because a lot of the fixtures of the original building are like never removed for whatever reason. And you're like, oh, it was a bowling alley. Oh, it was uh, a, a Kresge's or it was uh, Walgreens or whatever. Uh, and here you go. An animal lab. An animal lab. <laughs> That's a new one. I mean, like we still have the uh, um, the uh, the cages and stuff in there. No, I don't. think. Yeah, so. I don't know, because I mean, sometimes it's interesting, like. Grocery store. Hey, look, the deli's still standing. You know, yeah, I've seen that before. Um, I don't know. It's always interesting. What's the What's the craziest place you've seen an antique store? Like, what was it that you? Oh, got? hands down, it was that creepy building right by where you used to work. That was a roadhouse. 
Oh, that was an antique store once. It's not recently, but yeah. No, but at one time, because you go in there and there's a big stage. It, it's, yeah. it's almost reminiscent of the old high school gyms where there's yes. a stage at one end and then there's the big open space. It is. Um, that was a roadhouse for a long time here in Wichita. And I, I think it's called... Roadhouse. Roadhouse venue or something. And a lot of big names played there on their way through town. Johnny Cash, all kinds of people, especially during the heyday. Very haunted building before it was an antique store. Yeah, I mean, it's like the place that you saw in, um, what was the Johnny Cash movie? Um, uh, walk the line. Yeah, walk the line. You know where they get up there on stage. It's kind of a small local hall. Yeah, it is that. That's what that place was. And there's a little road motel next to it because it's on the old yeah. Highway 81, which Stone is buildings. really old. And I heard that place is quite haunted as well. It is very haunted. But when I was a little girl, and we would make our trips to all the antique stores around town, that was one of them. Yeah. And I always wondered what was this place because I didn't know anything about yeah. it. It will give you the willies if you go in there. I've been in there once. I went in there when it was a restaurant uh, about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had like a burger there. And it had the stage and everything up there. And there was it's really interesting seeing the pictures on the walls of who performed there. Because you're right, it was like Johnny Cash. Even up to like Eric Clapton um, sure. had played there. I mean, it was just like, oh my God. And it's just this decrepit looking building off the highway. Right. That's scary looking with this really weird, you know, cabin rock motel in back and it just gives you the willies but i think it's it's now like a it's it's been revived as like a rentable hall space yeah it's a venue i think it got uh it turned into like some sort of really shady mexican club for a little while and they were having all sorts of they were uh, having issues issues there there of like fights and stabbings and whatnot so it's a lot of negativity yeah. around that place but uh, nonetheless it is a cool building I'm glad it's still standing and not just like gone and this is in Wichita Kansas by the way in case you are so curious as to uh, to look into that one further uh, Nina M writes in, and Nina is one of our uh, loyal listeners for, since the beginning of our show um, she says interesting uh, you say uh, that the idea of shadow, pe- shadow people are uh, deliberately trying to get your attention so you become curious about them as I mentioned in my story about the haunted movie theater I work in the shadow person there definitely gravitated toward getting people's attention to the point where we would all be talking about it in a space that we saw it or nearby and now that i think back the times i did get kind of used to it the weird feeling you'd get when you'd walk in that booth i would try and ignore it and that's when it began actually approaching me i'd uh, get to the point where this thing would stand so close behind you you could see it and feel it leaning over your shoulder while you attempted to concentrate on something you were working on Uh, those were the times i'd drop whatever equipment i was fixing and get the hell out of there uh, right away. What do you do when they won't leave you alone like that? When and you got to work. Yeah. Work. And, and you can tell that when you try and ignore it, that that just makes it worse. It's like a little kid that won't stop. I don't know. Because you give it if you give it the recognition, then how where does that go? I know. You know? Right. It's like there's no one that's going to win there except for the ghost. That's the only that's the only win there is, is the ghost when they're getting the the recognition because they're happy you're not you ignore it they're not happy you're not happy nobody's gonna be happy in that situation we'll uh talk about that vampire um thing in just a second here i want to go to a uh, a phone call because that, that vampire thing is really interesting again we don't really talk about you know bigfoots and vampires and stuff on the show but it is kind of a follow-up and it just it's in the the paranormal realm and i think it kind of sheds some light on the history and 
almost debunks some of the vampire myths that are out there. Okay, because there's actually somewhat of a clinical thing to it. We'll talk about it in just a few minutes. Okay. Let's go to a phone call. 855-853-4802 is the phone number if you have a real ghost story and you want to share it with us. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. Um, welcome to the show, Jenny. You're great input. Um, the story I'm going to tell you is my first encounter with the paranormal. It happened when I was nine years old. I was spending the night at my grandmother's house. And um, you go up her steps, and to the right is a window. And her backyard, she really had none. It was just woods. But it was like a five-story drop down to those woods. You go straight is the bathroom. Make a sharp left is my grandparents' room. And straight ahead to the left was the room I stayed in. My bed was right there as soon as you walked in the door. One night, I woke up. And I don't really know what woke me up. But I heard this noise coming down the hallway, like from the window, towards my bed. And it was, it sounded like a child. And it was going, I, I, I. It came up next to my bed. I felt my pajama top go up. I was laying on my stomach facing the wall. I felt my pajama top go up. And I felt like it's a feeling I've never had before or since. Uh, even at, at nine years old, I remember thinking it felt like a nerve, but it felt like maybe a finger starting in the middle of my back and spiraling all the way out to the ends and then all the way back to the middle. My pajama top went back down, and that same eye noise went back down the hall and was gone. Now, I, I tried to call my grandmother while this was going on, but... I remember thinking, even at nine, wow, it's really true. When you're that scared, you can't talk. Because I couldn't call my grandmother. I tried until she was gone. And when I did call her, she said, oh, you were just dreaming. She didn't believe in ghosts. I knew I wasn't dreaming. I knew I was wide awake. Now, I had called you before with the story of the big white dog for telling the death of a little girl. And that little girl was my friend. My parents and her parents were best friends. And they had a daughter that was my sister's age. She was around my age. And they had a son that was my brother's age. So it was perfect when we got together. Now when we played together, one of the things we did was tickle each other's backs, take turns tickling each other's backs because we both really liked having our backs tickled. So that's why I always thought that maybe that was her. I don't know for sure, but you never know. Well, that's the end of my story. Thanks. Bye. You know, I really have to say that if that's what your gut's telling you, that's probably what it is. Um, especially since that's such an unusual thing for a ghost to do without having that backstory. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Yeah. Um, I think really that that's probably what's going on is she's visiting you as a child. She called right back right after she left that I think was some more backstory on that one. Let's go to that part of the call. Okay. Hey, Tony and Jenny. It's Barb from Pittsburgh again. Um, I thought I should tell you the last story about the little girl whose death was foretold by the dog. Her parents were sitting in the backyard um, a few weeks after her funeral and they were facing the house and a ball of light came up 
the alleyway between their house and the house next to them, just a little walkway. And it came all the way up to them, turned around and went back down the alleyway. Well, the wife turned to her husband and said, that was our daughter. She wants us to move from here. And they did. About two weeks after they moved, there was a gas explosion in the, they lived in a row house. And it was one, not their house, but one of the other houses. And all four houses in the row were destroyed. So she saved their lives. Yes, that's it. Thanks. Bye. That's interesting. I mean, how would, how did he get the message that the daughter wanted them to move? What? I'm confused about that by just seeing the orb and then going, oh, she wants us to move. Well, I think because sometimes when you see those things, you can tell what they're trying to tell you. Like a tele- yes. telepathy type thing? Yes. Oh, I get you. Okay. Yeah, I sure. think that's exactly what was going I mean, how else by just seeing the orb? I mean, I would put the, the two and two together that the orb was the daughter, but how else would she have known without getting that message? That's what came to her mind. Sure. The, you know, the interesting thing about that is we're talking the other day about can they see into the future? And I guess there's other ways of looking at that too, but what did the, can the ghost see into the future? Or did the ghost, was the ghost aware of the gas leak? I don't know. Maybe the ghost could sense that there was danger yeah, approaching. Yeah, maybe they, she knew there was already a small gas leak going on, and there's no way to, that eventually this is going to erupt and somehow channel them to get out of there. I, that's what my uh, guess is. I don't know, but I, would put, I wouldn't put it past them to be able to see into the future. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I don't know. Very, very interesting. 855-853-4802. Of course, thank you so much for that call. If you have a real ghost story, please give us a buzz on that number. Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and leave us your real ghost story. Again, 855-853-4802. Okay, so on to the vampire thing. Uh, porphyria is a disease that makes people this is according to uh, uh, one of our listeners uh, with the username Red Skeleton Keys uh, Pophoria is a disease that makes people have vampire-like qualities such as needing blood very pale and need to protect their skin from burns they burn very fast and must be covered they also have sharp teeth uh, there's more, but I don't have all the details, is what uh, what they said. Well, luckily, I did a little Googling, and I found more of the details on Porphyria. And listen to this. This is from an article I read. It says, it's always interesting to speculate on the origin of folkloric tales, especially the uh, widespread uh, vampire. Many societies have tales of the undead who come back from the great beyond to torment the living, but our image of a vampire is generally based on Bela uh, Bela Lugosi's portrayal of Bram Stoker's, you know, Dracula, or the Count. Um, Dracula has a pale complexion, very sensitive to sunlight, feared garlic, had to sustain himself by drinking human's blood, uh, preferred, uh, you know, the neck of pretty young things in 1985 university of british columbia's dr david dolphin who was to become one of canada's top chemists uh mused that perhaps the legend of the vampire could be traced to people suffering from porphyria okay this is not a novel idea 1963 uh the proceedings of the royal society of medicine had already featured a paper a paper entitled on porphyria uh and werewolves Dolphin described porphyria victims' sensitivity to sunlight, the possibility of the receding gums, which they have. They have receding gums when they have this disease. Which makes them look like they have fangs. Yes, exactly. Um, so, 
There you go. And that kind of adds into it. Uh, and he also just suggested that garlic contains a chemical that makes the condition worse. Okay. Uh, and while porphyria is now treated by the injection of blood products uh, that interfere with the the disease itself, essentially it's kind of like a recovery thing, uh, at one time victims may have attempted self-treatment by drinking blood. Okay. So, before modern medicine, mm-hmm. uh, and this porphyria disease was out there and nobody really knew how to treat it um, and you're doing leachings and all sorts of other horrific things and you have you know witch burnings and things of that nature I don't think it's too far-fetched to go that person has fangs that person uh, seems to be drinking blood uh, and they're sensitive to light um, and another thing, they, they do turn somewhat purplish because of this the condition of their blood. Okay. So they essentially look like your atypical vampire. Sure. That's portrayed in horror films. Um, and they were otherwise a normal-looking person before this disease takes them over. Okay. Um, so I could see that this is the beginnings of vampires. Yeah. I could see it that. It makes total sense. And then eventually it turns into the legends and, you know, I'm very likely, you know, people who had horrific diseases in that time, they oftentimes would just kind of go live off by themselves in the woods or something in their cabin. And then that turns into lore and legend. Or their and, castle. Yeah, exactly. And they're, everyone's, you know, oh, the kids are afraid of the vampire. And then eventually, oh, there's a vampire. Sure. So that to me sounds like what the vampire thing is is based on it it actually does so technically the condition can come about naturally drinking blood is not the solution to it it is like a a transfusion thing that does need to be done to treat it um but um you know they're not real vampires they're not you know living forever or anything like that they're just a sick individual with this horrible disease yeah but it makes sense it does make sense so there you go. I want to thank uh, one of our listeners for chiming in uh, and answering that question about yeah. vampires. Now we know. There we go. They do exist. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Okay, not really. Um, 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 with your real ghost story. Naomi writes in, once again, I want to say I love the show. I have many experiences in my life with spirits, and here's one of them. My daughter was two years old at the time, and we were sitting in my bedroom playing and laughing, and suddenly we both heard something coming from the doorway. A woman saying, hi, sweetheart. We both looked over and saw a woman in a gray 1950s-style dress, brown hair pinned up, and red lipstick on. She smiled and looked straight at my daughter. This moment lasted for less than a minute, and she was gone within a flash. My daughter did not seem to be frightened, but smiled and had said, hi, Lucille daughter and asked her who she was smiling at she smiled and said mom that's lucy she's nice well a couple weeks passed and i had an urge to look through old family albums and came across a picture of a group of women in the 1950s sitting in my living room and one of the women caught my eye and made my heart skip a beat there's a picture of a woman uh who was named lucille sitting at the end of the group with her red lips smile I looked at the names underneath the picture, and sure enough, it was Lucille's name under that image. I waited a day or so to bring this to my daughter and asked her if she recognized one of the women in the photo, and almost immediately her eyes scanned towards Lucille and said, Mommy, that's Lucy. I knew after this incident I had to find out more about Lucille, and almost immediately immediately my questions had been answered by my grandmother, who knew her personally. 
Lucille was a woman who lived across the street from my grandmother when she was a teen girl. Her father, my great-grandfather, was friends with her husband, Roland, who passed on last year. Lucille was Roland's wife, and she died of alcohol problems at a very young age in the 80s. She loved children and never had children in her life. I was going to say, I get the feeling that she never had kids, and I don't know why, but I just... I think that's interesting when ghosts gravitate towards children and they have a, you know, a, a tie there. Yeah. yeah. And they're just trying to hang out and be nice and friendly. And and that's interesting when the child, you know, takes it as not a ghost. And Yes. Because I'm thinking in some way they're presenting themselves as just a normal person. You know, I don't think they're floating around, maybe not so foggy. They're just there. Well, if it's vivid enough to tell the color of her dress and her yeah. hair and everything, yeah, that's not going to necessarily be scary to a child. No, no, that's that's really interesting. 855-853-4802. What would you do? How would you feel about that when suddenly you're going through pictures and you see the woman that appeared very quickly? You know, would that, would that comfort you? Would you be disturbed that, that this entity is is talking to your daughter i don't know how i'd feel about it until i found out more about that person so like when she researched it and she found out it was you know a family friend and and really not a lot of negativity there i i personally think i would be like okay i'm not going to worry about this because it's just lucy Mm -hmm. um if i found out it was somebody who had a very negative history and negative things. I wouldn't want my child to be around negative live people, let alone negative dead people. Sure. So I think it just depends on what I find out. Yeah. That's interesting that uh, she was able to find out. And not a, not a common thing in most cases. A lot of times you're sitting there wondering, what's, what is this or who is this? So thank you for the, uh, the story and thanks for writing in. If you have a real ghost story, of course, you can write in on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com or call us anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, my name is Del. I'm calling from the Chicago area. And I have some pet ghost stories, four little short ones. Uh, The first one happened to me when I was maybe 18 years old. I had my four-legged sister, Pookie, that I grew up with, and her and I were extremely close. We had a very close relationship. And Pookie had gone to the vet for the weekend. Her kidneys were giving her trouble. And prior to the kidney issues, she had started having seizures, say, within the last two years of her life. And I was sleeping late on Saturday morning, and I was dreaming that Pookie came to me. In my dream, she came, and she was saying hi to me, and I was sitting with her, and then suddenly she started to have a seizure, and she vanished in my dream. Um, About an hour later, the vet called me that Pookie had indeed had a seizure and passed away that was the first story and uh, the second one is we had a cat who was a neighborhood stray cat I took him in he already had a name which was ghost so it gets a little confusing Um, ghost time had come and of course it was the middle of the night and we had to take him to have him put to sleep so I called my sister and asked her and my niece to come with me and my daughter we went to the vet We had him put to sleep. We got to say our goodbyes. Everything was peaceful and serene as it could be. And we're coming home 
And as I'm pulling up in front of the house, the front door is maybe only 20 feet from the road. So as I'm pulling up in front of the house, I see this cat sitting on the front porch. I forgot to mention, Ghost was a gray and white tuxedo. And so there's this gray and white tuxedo sitting on the front porch. And I'm looking at it going, oh my God. And it took me a minute. I was dumbfounded, didn't know what to say. And finally, after a minute of, we're all just sitting looking at the house. And finally I said, does anyone else? And in unison, everyone said, yes. So I got out of the car and we had ghosts with us. We were going to bury him in the backyard and I patted the towel, yep, he's still in there. And I got out of the car and went to go up the stairs and I got about 10 feet away from the cat and this was still the spitting image of our cat ghost, gray and white tuxedo. About 10 feet away from the cat, he decided to run down the stairs and go past me and add when he moved from his sitting position waiting at the front door to get in the house he turned into a black and white cat now this was already sunrise i could see you colors don't get darker or i'm sorry colors don't get lighter in the darker time of day you know it was in the shadows and um all four of us swore that it was our cat ghost sitting at the front door waiting for me to let him back in to tell me, I think that, you know, don't worry, I'm still with you and I love you. Um, that being said, I am the crazy cat lady. And uh, so I've always got a brood of cats in my house. And every now and then I will get out of the corner of my eye, I'll see one of my cats that is already gone sitting there. And, you know, like any true mother, I know all my children by sight. You know, I'm not going to confuse a black cat with a orange and white one per se but there'll be someone you know a cat sitting somewhere and out of the corner of my eye it'll look like someone that's already passed and when I look over at him of course it's not an orange and white cat it's a black cat um but I will say to the cat I think it's the cats just coming by to say hi for a minute I don't know if they're going on elsewhere after that but I'll like acknowledge them I'll say hi Matza thanks for coming by I love you and that's it you know no, nothing horrible but I just swear to God it's that cat a different cat final story um, because I do cat rescue there was one cat in particular in this litter of kittens that got away and I couldn't get, catch him it was a feral litter outside and we were catching everyone and there was a nutty woman involved in the catch but um, anyway this one kitten got away and I called him Nestor and um, I was trying to get Nestor for a long time, and he just stayed in this one particular area. I'd see him every now and then. And one time driving home down the road at night, I saw what looked like a cat sitting in the middle of the road, but just sitting there. And it, the odd thing was it was kind of wavering around. It was more clearish, looked like what you would call a ghost, and kind of wavering around on the road. And I'm trying to figure out what the hell is that that I'm looking at? And I slowed down, and as I got closer, it just this vanished, disappeared. And I was thinking several months to almost a year later that perhaps that was Nestor letting me know that perhaps he got hit by a car, but just letting me know that he was gone or whatever. 
I don't know. All right. Well, thank you very much. I look forward to listening to more of your episodes. Thank you. Bye. Sounds like a real life Kitty Land Love Center going on there. You know, I think it's interesting that when they saw the cat on the porch yeah, and the cat acted kind of strange, but then when it took off, it, it changed. It makes you wonder if it was like a reincarnated cat that took off you know one of those nine lives yeah. i think that comes from somewhere you know i think it, it's an interesting thing with with animals um because in life cats especially they tend to they know cat people mm-hmm. they are attracted to people that like cats um they just do you know if you're a cat person you know cats do tend to in the most cases feel comfortable they want to come up to you and, and you know, they feel safe without you even approaching it you know, I think dogs somewhat too, but I think cats more than anything. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if ghost cats do the same thing. You know, if if ghost cats know that this lady is able to see them, so maybe she's more, I guess, targeted by ghost cats. As silly as that sounds. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know what you're saying. Um, you know, I've been kind of researching empaths and and mediums and stuff. One of the things I've found in my research is that they say it's drawn to empaths, and empaths are drawn to cats. And actually, one of the grounding exercises to help, you know, kind of relieve some of the energy you're feeling from other things. Mm-hmm is for an empath to literally hold a cat that it's supposed to be very calming very very soothing really so it makes you wonder if maybe somebody that's sensitive can you know end up being a crazy cat lady using her words because they are drawn to her and she's you know empaths are very sensitive to animals sure i mean i think it makes sense i mean logically and socially yeah. For that to, to be the case. Uh, 855-853-4802. If you have a real ghost story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear it. Patricia writing in. Hello, Tony and Jenny. Uh, this is about the third time I've written into your show about my paranormal experiences. I'm the one that had written in about the guy who had unfortunately taken his own life in the excuse me in the basement of my parents' house. Okay, okay. and then she had the broom closet experience after that. Okay, okay. I believe I had also called in about my broom closet incident. There we go. Uh, I mentioned in my second story that I had called in about that my parents had three dogs who were sensitive to the paranormal. The oldest of the three dogs was my dog, Fluffy. Fluff was about 14 years old, and my very first dog, Fluffy, had suffered from multiple hip problems due to old age and eventually got pancreatic cancer. His health was severely declining, but there was nothing we could do. The cancer had doubled in size, so surgery was too risky. He wasn't eating, so he couldn't take pain medication, and he was to the point where he was constantly whimpering and shaking from the pain. The day we decided we had to put him down was the day after my birthday, July 15th of 2014. This experience is all too new, and I'm still very upset over the matter. Otherwise, I would have called in. When Fluff was alive, for some reason, he would always love to come to the bathroom with me to hang out and just sit there. He was an oddball, but I didn't care because he was so cute. The bathroom was off in the living room on the main floor of the house. I mention this because he couldn't go up or downstairs due to his impending hip problems. If I went into the bathroom without him and shut the door, all you could see under the door was his little paws peeking under in a small faint, unique whimper until I opened the door and let him in. This is just the backstory of my newest experience, but this one was a good one. 
Four days after we had to put him down, I went to my parents' house to have Sunday dinner with them. While my parents went to go pick up the dinner from the restaurant, I had to go to the bathroom. This was the same bathroom that Fluffy would go into with me. I closed the door and locked it out of habits. A minute goes by, and then I see a shadow by the door. It's a small shadow that was too small to be human size. I automatically heard that distinct whimper and I would always that I would always hear when I went to the bathroom without Fluffy. Since I was so used to it, I opened the door and didn't see him. It then hit me that he was gone, and I knew that I had heard him. I closed the door, finished up in the bathroom while crying. After I got out of the bathroom, right when I opened the door, I felt a cold spot. The cold spot is where he would have sat against the door if he were alive. After that occurrence, I automatically felt better. I want to believe it was him telling me his last goodbye that he was okay. I want to believe this badly since all the pain he had went through. I have had this dog since I was seven, uh, since I had seven years old, or since I was seven years old, and I still hurt for his loss. Although I still do believe it was his spirit, I do not know that animal spirits to exist. I do believe 100% that animals have souls just like humans. I believe that there's an afterlife for animals just as humans. I'm sorry for this long story. I want you and your wife, uh, if you have them, and all of the real ghost story listeners to hold onto their pets a little longer and kiss them a little more often because they can be taken from us any day. Here's some pictures of little fluffsters if uh, you are interested. She sent us some pictures of uh, of the of Fluffy as well. Would you like to see Fluffy? Yes. Uh, Fluffy is quite fluffy. Very, very cute. Yes. I'm so sorry for your loss. I know how hard that is, especially when you have to be the one that makes the decision that it's it's in their best interest to put them down. I had to yeah. do that with my favorite dog, all-time favorite dog. Um, his name was Powerball, and he was an ex ex-racing greyhound i adopted him um after the greyhound racing track here in town closed up and he was five years old no he was three years old when i got him and i had him for five years so for a greyhound he was up there Mm -hmm. um but he kind of had a similar experience to where he was in pain all the time so we had to put him down but i think your dog is probably the ghost of your dog probably did that not only as a final goodbye but kind of a I'm okay that this happened you know that he still in spirit wanted to be with you in the bathroom like always mm-hmm. that's that's the vibe I get from it I did too I mean I think it's sweet that it, it happened as a normal routine it wasn't like an out of the ordinary 3am and suddenly you hear the dog whimpering it was part of the routine that you normally were in with the dog yeah you know that's cool thank you for writing in and thank you for sharing all those stories with us 855-853-4802 if you'd like to participate in this little program we call real ghost stories online greatly appreciate your calls your emails your stories of course please do share the show uh, with your friends whether it be on Facebook Twitter or Pinterest that's another good place to do it. Uh, and of course, we're still giving out that uh, bonus episode number two. If you give us uh, a review and some stars there on iTunes, even if you're not an iTunes user, if you just uh, get logged in there, get a username, leave us a review there, uh, then send me the username that you use to email me and I'll email you back with a link to that show. My email is Tony, T-O-N-Y at realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's go to another call at 855-853-4802. Hey, Tony. Uh, my name is Richard, and I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I wanted to say I really appreciate the show, and uh, keep them coming, man. And this is my ghost story. 
within like three minutes into playing, he heard it behind him. And that's when he ran out of the house and left. I come home, the door's open, the control's on the floor, and the TV's on, and the light, the lights are on in the house. So I call him, and that's, just, you know, that's what he tells me. And I tell my wife that we really need to get it, you know, somebody into cleaning. Well, my wife, you know, being a skeptic, didn't think anything about it. Well, the next day, we, you know, we're going to sleep that night. And that night, I'm, uh, my wife actually falls asleep on the couch. And my oldest daughter's on the couch with her, and she's holding the three-year-old. And she's sitting there watching TV. The rest of them are asleep. I'm going to bed. And I feel like I'm pinned down. I wake up, feel like I'm pinned down with just my eyes. I can just look around the room. Couldn't move, couldn't scream, couldn't do anything. You know, I, I thought it happened so fast that I thought it was a dream. So I come in and tell my wife what I was feeling. She said it was like sleep paralysis or whatever it's called. And I just dismissed it and went back to bed. Knowing me, I was, you know, because I do believe in paranormal, I was thinking to myself, there's something going on. But then an hour later, my wife comes running into the room and she puts her back against the wall and she's like pushing her feet like she's trying to go through the wall. And here's the skeptic telling me that she just opened her eyes and seen in the hallway a four and a half foot man with a cloak on, black face, was standing, you know, was just standing so still with its hands crossed and had this design pattern on her, on its cloak, on its cloak, sorry. And uh, it freaked her out so bad that we ended up loading up the kids and staying in the room that night. Well, thanks for listening to my story. And that is my ghost story. Thanks. I want to hear more. I want to know what happened after that. I mean, what did did you continue to stay in that house? Or did you have it cleansed? Or yeah, yeah. What happened after that? I know. That's uh, that's very creepy. That doesn't sound good at all. No. God. I mean. Yeah. I mean. There's okay. There's a case where I think sleep paralysis might be something else. Yeah, I think or so. That might not have necessarily been sleep paralysis. When there's something else going on already that they yeah. know for sure. Yeah, it's not just such a random thing. But, gosh, I mean, I, mean, I really wouldn't attribute it to any of the toys either. I just think uh, there's something dark going on there that's trying to get attention and it's trying to engage you in whatever, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but it does not sound like a good thing at all. I, I wonder, I mean, can you think back to anything where something like that would have been invited in? Or, I mean, maybe they didn't invite it in. Maybe it was it, already there. Yeah. It was already at the house. And now it's trying to essentially ask for permission to engage you. Yeah. Is, I, I think what it's doing by, by moving all these things around and making itself known I think engaging it would be the scary, you know, one of the next scariest things you could do. And cleansing could be considered someone engaging it, I think. So I don't know what to do. I mean, that's a that's a troubling one. But do uh, do call in and, and share with us what uh, 
what happened after that. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. 855-853-4802. Kelly writes in, While I was in college in 2006 in Ireland, I worked summers in a 19th century nunnery, which had been converted into apartments. My job was to live on-site in one of the apartments and open the building to visitors, most of whom wanted to see the main attraction, which was a beautiful... uh, de-consecrated uh, old chapel, which contained all the original fittings, the altar, stained glass windows, choir with organ and original floor tiles. This is a very quiet and peaceful place during the daytime, and I often took my notes and studied there. It was so silent. I wasn't long into the job and was enjoying the use of the apartment when I noticed the noises. My bedroom was over the main staircase, which was made of wood and had been preserved and retained in the building. Late at night, I would hear distinct footsteps going up and down the stairs, a lot of footsteps, as if several people were busy running up and down the stairs at the same time. The sound of doors opening and closing in other parts of the building could clearly be heard, as well as miscellaneous bangs and rattles. I never felt any fear at these as I never approached my own apartment and I never felt threatened. After all, I reasoned, the building had been home to hundreds of women for over a century. Surely with all the activity, something had been left behind. One night, however, the nature of the presence changed. The main building had an alarm system and on one particular night, it kept going off. Every time it did, I would have to get out of bed, head down to the main stairs, out the side entrance, in the big main door, and across the old hall, which did not have any electric lighting, meaning that it was absolutely pitch black. The last time the alarm was triggered, I went through the usual process and opened the main door to reset the alarm, feeling very irritated that my sleep was constantly being interrupted. However... Crossing the hall in the dark, I was suddenly overwhelmed with the feeling that there was something in the chapel watching me. I don't know if it was friendly or not, but I felt my shivers run down my spine and the temperature plunged to icy cold. As calmly as I could, I reached the control box for the alarm and after a moment of indecision, I disabled it and switched it off. I then turned around to see if I could catch a glimpse of the presence I felt but could not see a thing in the utter darkness. I then recrossed the hall again with the feeling of someone or something watching my every step, closed and locked the main door behind me and returned to my apartment, where I turned on the television and stayed up watching it for the night. I left the alarm off after that, and the noise level at night decreased, but never stopped. When I left the job, my little brother took over for me temporarily, and he reported to me afterwards that he had to move the bed into the living room to avoid the noises that would keep him awake. He was glad when the contract finished and he could leave. The property crash of 2008 meant that the apartments were never sold. On a recent visit to my town, to the town, eight years after I first worked there, I visited the nunnery and discovered that it had fallen into complete disrepair. The big wooden crucifix in the garden had been broken, the stained glass windows had been smashed, and the interior of some of the apartments had been ransacked by, thieved, by thieves. I often wonder what the nunnery spirit made of the new situation and if it regretted pressuring me into switching off the alarm that night. Also since then, the church in Ireland has been racked with abuse scandals and allegations of mistreatment of children. Evidence has even surfaced that many of the children died in the custody of religious orders between the 1920s and 1960s. Did the nunnery spirit have a guilty conscience? I don't know. I like that story, though. I think that could be very true. It, you know, it's one of those things where almost what we were talking the other day about uh, the haunted religious relics. Um, and, 
regardless of what the image is portraying, it could still end up taking on dark, demonic-type forces, you know, yeah. or they could reside within those relics. Um, you know, I think the same could be true of a building like that, you know, especially if there was very evil, evil things going on by people who were purport, you know, trying, or, or to the public, uh, you know, purportedly being religious figures. Sure. You know, that were doing horrible, horrible things to children, um, you know, those were evil people. So, you know, under the guise of it being a religious, you know, uh, organization. Right. You know, so I could see that that had been, that could very well be a very dark place. Well, on the surface, seemingly fairly safe because it's a church. Yeah. Quote, unquote. But there's a lot of that. You know, I, I've always felt somewhat uneasy and i i'm not trying to be bashing catholics or anything here because I'm, I'm not my dad was was raised catholic half my family is catholic and i have no problem with good normal catholic people that aren't you know doing horrible things you know like the bazillions of priests that have been molesting kids those are not the good catholics no um but i will say this um i have i had a lot of uneasy feelings Anytime I've been in many Catholic churches. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up and was raised Lutheran. Um, and those, I, ne- I don't know, I never really felt too weird in any of those churches. Those, I, I don't know. I always felt fairly calm there. Um, again, with that, you don't have a lot of scandals like that in, in that sort of a church. Um, and the priests are allowed to marry and things of that nature. Within the Catholic church, it's not so much the case, at least the old Catholic church. Um, and I always had really, I don't know, I, and it could be to some of the architecture. It's very gothic, at least in the old churches. And I'm talking uh, primarily when I was a kid, I'd go and visit, you know, an, an older Catholic church or something. Um, it had the very gothic type architecture and it was kind of spooky, but there was a weird negative vibe I would get there. I, I in, in a lot of cases, I didn't get a real warm feeling. A couple ones were fine. But there were a couple that were just like, eh, I don't know. And Well, isn't there a little bit of where you're from? I don't know if animosity is the right word, but Lutherans aren't really big fans of the Catholics, and the Catholics aren't really big fans of the Lutherans. Could it be the fact that you were raised Lutheran, you yeah. were more comfortable there, and so you kind of felt maybe like a fish out of water? Well, sure. I mean, I, I and like I said, I do think some of that is that. Okay. I mean, the, a lot of the Lutheran churches were very contemporary-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, they looked like office buildings, you know, for lack of a better term. Um, and the Catholic churches were very, I mean, ornate and very detailed. And, you know, if you look at the architecture very beautiful mm-hmm. but gothic in nature um and did kind of give off a creepy vibe um to a little kid anyway um you know so i don't know if it was just me being kind of a fish out of water although i did fairly frequently go to a catholic church too i mean i would you know i'd say one out of four sundays i was going to the catholic church and okay. the other ones I was so i mean i wasn't completely a fish out of water there i don't know Here's my take. Um, I've always been a little bit uncomfortable in churches. And I think what that is, is there is so much energy, positive and negative, in churches. Not necessarily bad things, but you got to think. People get married there. That's a very emotional thing. Sure. People have funerals there. That's another very emotional thing. Mm-hmm. 
I think there's just any building that has a lot of energy in it like that tends to make me uncomfortable. And so I I usually find a little bit. I wish I could go to church and just sit there and feel so at ease and at peace. But for whatever reason, physically, I just kind of feel a little bit on edge. It's like a bad stew. Like a bad stew? Yeah. You know, if, if because a stew is kind of like a mixture of all sorts of random things that you're throwing into the pot. Uh-huh. Some are really good. Some could be really bad. And when you mix it all together and it's really just an unbalanced stew, it's not going to taste very good and it's not going to be a great thing. You know, if it's all good things, it could be a very good stew. If it's all bad things, it could be very better. When it's all mixed together, it's not going to turn out very well. So it will make you feel uneasy. I mean, that's kind of like what you're saying. There's good, there's bad, and being sensitive to those sort of things, you know, it's it's like this weird frequency of all these things. Or, you know, or another example I could make would be, um, uh, you know, like back when, when broadcast TV, when you get two signals that were mixed, when you're kind of in the middle of a sure. signal pattern. Yeah. You know, two great shows could be on, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but you're not really getting either. And it's it's really uneasy to watch that because it's all being mixed and jumbled together. That's kind of what a lot of churches are. Yeah. It's this big mix of jumbled of good, bad energy. And if you're really sensitive to that, that makes total sense. That and also... It's a gathering of a lot of people and gatherings of a lot of people that alone, whether it's in a church or not, sure. can kind of make you a little uneasy. Make me uneasy. Sure. So no, I, it makes total sense. I think it's all the above, but Yeah. And it's nothing against the churches, it's just the energy. I mean, yeah. it, is, it is what it is. No, in know? fact doesn't stop me from going, even sure. though it makes my skin crawl. It's awful. Yeah. But I mean I I mean you could you probably feel that way like at like a concert or something. I feel uneasy. Yeah. I, I don't like going to... I mean, I have to really like the artist to really want to go see a concert. Yeah. Otherwise, I hate going to concerts unless it's somebody I really want to see just because I don't like those crowds. Well, here's the thing. Between feeling all that energy and then just my general anxiety, which in the back of my mind, yeah. this is a large gathering. Oh, my God. What if something happens? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's always what's in the back of my mind. So, sure. yeah, I... I have to really want to go. I mean, it has to be the Eagles or somebody for me to want to go. (laughs) Exactly. So. 855-853-4802 with your real ghost story. Yeah. Hi, my name is Richard. It's my first time calling in. I'm a big listener of the show. Um, I want to talk about my sleep paralysis experience. Um, I was living in Rashkukumaga, and um, I always had this eerie feeling about my bedroom that I had in this apartment. I never slept in my bedroom. I would always sleep in the living room. I was just really uneasy about it. And one night I come home from work about 1.30 a.m. and I fell asleep. And then I woke up, but I was paralyzed. And in the middle of this paralysis, I, I realized I wasn't breathing. So then I was struggling for air and the blanket just felt like it was a thousand pounds. And then I heard a little kid or a child I like I don't know how to explain it but I heard it and it said like to me very playfully it said come on let's go and at that moment at that exact moment at the end of that sentence I was able to get my air back and breathe again and move I was so freaked out but I just honestly I just flipped over and pulled the blanket over my head and went back to sleep yeah that was my story all right thank you where's Rash Cucamonga what did he say I think he said Rash Cucamonga. I don't know what the that is. What the hell is that? I want to talk about my sleep paralysis experience. 
Um, I was living in Rancho Cucamonga, and uh, I don't have the any hell is any that? idea. How would you spell that? I don't know. I'm doing a okay, Rash Cucamonga. Uh, Rasho Cucamonga. Okay, it is a place. It's in California. Okay. Okay, there we go. Rasho Cucamonga. It's uh, da, 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 da. fairly. It's in outskirts of Los Angeles. There's San Bernardino. There we go. We had a geography lesson on today's show as well. I was thinking it was like some weird third world country or something. Although you get to some parts of Los Angeles and you're uh, kind of in that same sort of ballpark as well. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number to call if you have a real ghost story. Or, of course, you can always write in on the website at uh, realghoststoriesonline.com. Yeah? Okay, speaking of weird places in California, did you know there's a town... In California, and I don't know how big it is, but the name is spelled like Ouija. Really? Yeah, but it's pronounced Ojai. Interesting. There's a hell, Michigan. Really? Yeah. And it's like, it's they, there's always like the jokes, it's freezing in hell, because it does tend to get rather cold there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, there you go. Hey, be sure to share the show with a friend on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest. Pin our episodes as they come out. That helps us quite a bit. Have more people find us, and uh, that gets us more great real ghost stories to share with you. Uh, as often as we can put this show out to you six, seven days a week. We love doing it. We love having you as listeners. So, uh, please do your part and keep the show alive by, uh, by sharing it. And, of course, get that bonus episode right now by giving us a review on iTunes. You just go there, leave the review, email me what username you did it under. Uh, you email Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com, and I'll email you back the link to that bonus episode. So until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Real Ghost Stories Online.